Morning, everybody. My name is Lovera, and if you don't have it, get Jurgens or some other off-brand because it is hot, and I have no SPF. My name Aloe is Hush. Aloe vera is a... <laughs> what? Aloe vera is a fun thing. I'm a big fan of aloe vera. Says I'm glad Pia. I made the intro today. Yeah, yeah. No aloe vera. Um, apparently, you can drink it. That's just been. You ever yeah. seen that lately? Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in this like juice I found. Yeah. In, like one of the juice sources. Pretty, very interesting. I didn't know that was a thing. We always had like my neighbor was growing an aloe vera plant like at my house. So we would just kind of take mm-hmm. it sometimes. It's really like, it's pretty amazing. It's a high level supplement, not supplement, whatever you would call it. Yeah. Shout out to botanists, bro. They went off on that one. Like, <laughs> But drinking aloe is like crazy to me. Like, yeah, that's insane. Like, imagine drinking like neosporin Sour. or, yeah, like yarn. Like, some totally <laughs> uh, like fucking, it's lotion, right? Like, some totally unrelated thing. Like, when you unwrap a CD like that, like tight plastic, like, imagine mm-hmm. you could eat that just for no reason. Yeah, it's pretty like <laughs> That's like, for, just you put lotion in a drink. All right. Okay, so let's get to the podcast. Let's get to this podcast, <laughs> which is less interesting than that. But I don't have the horticulture qualifications to do another 35 on aloe. I can do a type 5. I can riff on anything. But we are going yeah. to be talking today about the Boston Celtics, who are clearly the best team in the NBA, East or West. And then we're going to talk about if anybody has a chance with them. Because... They're not like the undefeated Patriots or the 16 Warriors or the 18 Warriors, but they're absolutely dominant and they don't really seem to have any weaknesses. And so mm-hmm. basically we want to answer the question about, is it cute to have any other options? You know, am I just being contrarian to not pick them coming out of the East? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can get right into it. So, I mean, you want to start with an overview about Boston, or do you want to give yeah. our like, prediction? So to try and put the scope of how dominant Boston has been, which I don't think we can do, but I'll try. They have the best record in the NBA at 35 and 14, 21 games above 500 with 33 to play. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Um, they're winning 714 percent of their games which off the top of my head is a 58.548 win pace pretty good call 59 um and quick stats third best offense fifth best defense best defensive rebounding team in the nba they allow less free throws in of any team in the nba like a bunch of sustainable stuff they're top 10 from deep top 10 at the rim they take the fourth least mid-range shots which suggests like good process and um, reliable results. You know, they're not subject to high variability. They have the second best half court offense, which is incredible for playoff victory. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like the game grinds out and slows down. Um, they've got great trends in defense. Their biggest weaknesses are kind of the other halves of that. Second best half court, oh, but a poor half court defense. Good, not great transition D, but pretty bad not nightmare transition offense so while they're bad at one it's not like you can formula where they're bad at both on any one type of thing and every single player in the rotation 
is good. Like I've never <laughs> seen anything like it. Like they've got some nice guys who like can't even see the floor. But yeah. I mean, when you look at the rotation, dude, like they've got the defensive player of the year. They've got all-star Jalen Brown. They've got MVP candidate Jason Tatum, all-defense Robert Williams, all-defense and former all-star Al Horford, six-man of the year and fringe all-star Malcolm Brogdon, like Derek White, who could make it in 13 all defense if it existed. Great passer, maybe the best off-ball playmaker in the NBA. And then Grant Williams like who's probably a good to above average player and he's the worst player in the rotation like easily yeah it's terrifying i don't no. think it's contestable to say there's a different better team in the east or the pros yeah they're definitely the best team in the east and most likely best in the whole nba at least based off what we've seen so far mm-hmm. but what i would say is i'm a bit skeptical that um, like their offense last year was not incredible. Like there were times where it didn't look amazing. There are times where it actually looked pretty underwhelming while their defense was like, like on like goat levels. Yeah. No, they had and, a historically great defense last year. Yeah. So what I'll say is their offense uptick I don't know how much I trust that. I think they're definitely a better offensive team than they were last year. I think the players improved. I think they click better together. I think their sets are more creative. Mm-hmm. But Joe I'm Mizzoula skeptical. has been painless transition. Yeah. Props to but him. I That's am skeptical candidate. that just like in one off season, with not an insane amount of like improvement from trades, their offense went from at times being like, a negative to them as a championship contender to all of a sudden they're like the third best offense in the league were the best by a mile for a while, you know? Yeah. And their defense has looked elite, but not as good as last year. But again, it's the same type of thing as last year where they only got better on that end. So like, there's no reason why it would, it is probably the same, if not better. Yeah. And statistically they were best um, February to the end of the year. I don't know, yeah. it was like a 35-game run or something like that, and especially after getting Derek White at the deadline, Robert mm-hmm. Williams coming into his own, and their stats on this year are bogged down because Robert Williams didn't come back until halfway point, yeah, he came a couple recently. days after, maybe, of December. Yeah. And so integrating that to like the best team in the league was a little bit different. But yeah, I totally agree. They were like 10th offense last year this year their offense is third and it's four and a half points better per 100 possessions their effective field goal percentage as a team is up two and a half they're turning it over less i will say they don't offensive rebound like at all they're 25th in the league in offensive rebounding which is really interesting and their defense doesn't force turnovers either which is 27th in the league which they just hold teams to bad shots but i guess they don't get the hands up they don't draw charges that well, which is what it is. Like, you don't really win games by forcing turnovers in the playoffs. I think turnovers usually come from bad offense more than good defense. Mm-hmm. And so those are two other weaknesses that I should have pointed out, their offensive rebounding and their lack of turnover forcing. But they were pretty solid at both of those last year. And like you talked about, the personnel changes haven't made 
there really hasn't been personnel. Yeah, there's like it's just addition. Like they haven't yeah. lost anything with any moves. Yeah, just gr- just growth of continuity and Malcolm Brogdon addition, which was like great. a seamless fit. Yeah, is Danilo Gallinari going to play this year? I don't think so, but I could be wrong. But I'm pretty it, sure his ACL been. tear like happened post trade, and the trade was yeah. in, like July. So yeah. Um, okay, let's go to the other teams in the East. Because mm-hmm. right now, the Eastern Conference, like we said, it's Boston versus the field. Combine yeah. the rosters of all 14 other teams put against Boston, it's going to be close. Um, no. Boston is <laughs> the one seed, the two seeds, three and a half games back, and that's your Philadelphia 1776ers. I think before the season, I shouldn't say that. I think Philly is the best team. Let's say of the other four teams that we're going to talk about, Philly the two, Bucks the three, Nets the four, Cleveland the five. Who mm-hmm. of those four do you think has the best shot amongst the field teams? Okay, I so spoiled, the issue I spoiled that my answer is Philly. Yeah, the issue with asking me this question is I have some like biases with mm-hmm. some of these teams. I guess Milwaukee have always been lower on than most, and What's it called? Brooklyn I'll always be high on because I think Kevin Durant can win like any series. So it's hard for me to give a real answer because I think it legitimately could be any of Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee, uh, Cleveland. Like any of those teams can very realistically make it to the finals. This guy's hedging. But if I had to choose... (laughs) If I had to choose... Um, I guess I would say Brooklyn, which isn't like surprising coming from me. I think what they added Durant this year thing. will really help. Yeah, it's mostly a Durant thing, and I think they're a lot better suited to to figure out um Brooklyn or Boston this year. Yeah, because having more, like having Ben Simmons who can dribble the ball really changes the math because the issue with that series was Kevin Durant was dribbling the ball so much. And even, like, Kyrie looks a lot more like like he fits more of the team this year probably because he's actually playing this year. Yeah. Claxton's so much better. Ben Simmons also gives them a defender for Tatum, which they just didn't have, which yeah, allows KD to, like, help more, which I think will really, like, help on defense more. Royce O'Neal for Jalen Brown. Yeah, they definitely – I think they match up better, and I just think – I mean, I don't think Boston's a particularly good matchup for them, but I think they would be anyone else and, like, have a shot against Boston. Yeah, we always do the thing um, all last year about the closest point differential in any of the Boston series was the Nets, who they swept. Like, the Nets didn't win a game, and they had the best point differential against Boston. And there's a lot of room for improvement from yeah. that. And what's also crazy is the Celtics played two seven-game series. <laughs> like, yeah. they had to win two game sevens to wake it out of the East against the Bucks and Heat. But yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that, especially considering the Nets are the most likely team to get better at the deadline. I think yeah. all um, three of those teams, not Cleveland, sorry, but the Nets, Sixers, and Bucks are about the average Eastern Conference champion in terms of how good they are. And that's crazy good. Like, to win the conference, you know, like the average finals team mm-hmm. is about how good all three of these are. 
I think they're super interchangeable. I think Philly's the best team, but I don't know if they're the most likely to beat Boston because of what you said about Brooklyn's like surprising well-roundedness. Yeah. And so I, uh, I also think um, my answer is going to be Philly. And then we can talk about the other teams as we go down the line. So I'll come. Yeah. Up so you want to just start the episode with Philly? Yeah. Cause they're the two. So then we'll go down. Okay. Philly has won 18 of 23 despite James Harden and Joel Embiid being out of the lineup. Um, currently, they're on a five-game win streak. They went on a five-game road trip down the West, like the hard road trip that every team loathes, but they always have to do it, and no matter which conference you're on. Mm-hmm. And they did it, and they won them all. And they haven't played since Saturday, and they play again tomorrow, and they host Brooklyn. Ben Simmons' second game back in Philly, which will be on ESPN. I'm very excited for. Um, yeah. Like I said, 18 out of 23, including a five-game win streak and an eight-game win streak. Like, to go into Utah and the Lakers, beat them back-to-back nights, then Clippers, then Portland, then Sacramento, and get three days rest, like four days in between games, because of that rest, like, they're hot and they're scary. And they've been doing, like, the Tyrese Maxey show, like, winning games with both Harden and Embiid out. And I thought before the year that they were the best team. And it seems like they're finally hitting their stride. I hope it's not too early. I think this is just a stride, not a hot streak. I think they're super well-rounded. I think they've got maybe the best big three there is. And then Tobias Harris is one of the best, if not the best, fourth guy in the league. Mm -hmm. I don't think Doc Rivers holds them. I don't think they're a poorly coached team. Um, yeah. Despite what a lot of people would say, like I think they've got great roster, great depth. Shake Milton and um, Dampy Melton is the best backup backcourt in the league, and that's behind the best regular backcourt in the league, maybe with Maxi and Harden. MVP mm-hmm. candidate center who plays both ways. They rebound. I just, I don't really see a flaw. Like. Two top ten players in Embiid and Harden. It's just hard for me to find scenarios that work against them, besides less tangible things like oh playoff Harden or playoff Doc Rivers or Maxi is young or Embiid can't like shit like that is the biggest attractions in my mind that we can point against Philly, and those aren't necessarily real the way not having a wing defender would be real. Yeah. So Philly's um, for the best team. And I do think they give Boston the best. I do think they match up the best with Boston. Yeah. I agree with that. They, like, I play hard's the wrong word. They're big. And they can do what Boston does, which is bully ball. Yeah. Like, Boston's strength is Tatum's an elite matchup defender like borders on best in the world and is a giant and then they've got robert williams and al horford and they mm-hmm. just stop you from scoring at all costs but then it's like guess what philly's huge yeah and they're gonna have the best big in the series they're definitely gonna have the best big in the series i think boston definitely has options for the tenants of um 
Philly's offense. Like, Horford, even in his old age, is one of the best post defenders we've seen, at least in, like, recent – definitely in recent history. And Robert Williams as a helper really helps there, too. And they have, obviously, the guard depth to guard someone like Harden on defense. But I think the fact that there are lineups where Philly has legitimately five, like, pretty real offensive threats is kind of what you need when you're going against a defense like Boston. Because with Boston's defense, or with their combination of man defenders and team defenders, like, it's not – you can't have a weak link on offense because they will – abuse that yeah and so i think that philly doesn't have one's a pretty big plus for them and uh yeah i would say they probably have the best matchup versus boston it's interesting to me because their best defender for boston can be anywhere like they yeah. could have any guy win defensive player of the year and so you think like oh time lord and horford those guys are both all defense. Like, look, just take it out to the perimeter, and they've got literally the defensive player of the year. So it's like, oh, yeah. well, we can... The best guard defender of my yeah. life. Yeah. Like, give the release valve of Joel Embiid. He's got former MVP James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. But it's like Marcus Smart and Derek White. And those guys can switch all day. Derek White's an unbelievable screen navigator. And... Yeah. There's not size advantages necessarily for Harden or Maxi, although Maxi's clearly the best athlete of those four guys, and that could mm-hmm. help. But he's going and diving into probably a clogged paint. Yeah, something I would say is, um, as far as their defense goes, or no, not like as far as Boston's defense goes, probably the only real weak link you'll find is attacking their transition defense because yeah. they just have too much talent in a half-court setting on that end. But Philly won't be doing that, really. Like, yeah. it's very rare that you'll see Philly legitimately, like, like thriving in transition and having that be a main part of their game. So I think that's one thing that Boston, probably their biggest weakness, is not really exposed to by yeah. Philly at all. And then... In terms of personnel, the guys that you can quote unquote go at, like we pretend that like Davis Breton single handedly is going to lose you a playoff series because you can go at him. Like yeah. for Boston, Boston doesn't have a single one of those. It, like Jalen Brown and Grant Williams are the closest things, and they're like and Philly has nobody really good man defenders, and Philly has nobody to exploit them. Like the types of guys that would exploit their defense. Philly's going to throw, like, Tobias Harris at them. And Boston will do anything they possibly can to have a series contingent on Tobias Harris, like, crazy shot making. Mm -hmm. If he exploits you, then you deserve to lose. And Boston loves, loves, loves that, right? And P.J. Tucker or Daniel House or Cork Maz or Matisse Thibel. Well, like, they're pretty unmoved. B-Ball Paul, Paul Reed. Tobias Harris is definitely on another level from those guys, but your point yeah. stands. But, like, yeah, those are the guys that you need to have strength on weakness. And it Philly doesn't feels. have that, and that makes it really rough. But the next team we're going to talk about has that. They do? I think mm-hmm. next is Milwaukee, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think 
I I think you tweeted this today that Milwaukee, yeah, took Boston to seven without Chris Middleton. That's a really big point because, like, yes, Boston's better, but it took them seven games to beat Milwaukee without arguably their second best player. Mm-hmm. In a series where they also had pretty incredible okay, well so here's the thing. I don't like Milwaukee's play style against Boston because Boston's offense I think is extremely reliant on people just making a lot of threes. That's what was happening when their offense was like transcendent to start this year. Mm-hmm. That's how they got to the finals last year. Like that's when they're at their best. And Milwaukee's infamous for this now of just letting teams do that. Yeah. Take that three, really hurts. We'll get every Milwaukee single rebound. Yeah. We'll take the like, run away entirely. Yeah. And that doesn't matter as much against Boston. I think like on a purely personnel level, uh Milwaukee does have like a pretty good matchup with Boston. But their play styles I think really really benefit Boston in that matchup. Yeah, it's interesting, like you're saying, because exactly that philosophy. And while it's changed a little bit in response to losing in the playoffs that way, for the Bucks defense, like you said, right into Boston's hands or into Boston's dismay, Boston takes the third most threes of any team in the league, and they get the seventh least shots at the rim. And so yeah. it's like, oh, well, we were going to do this anyway, so we don't care. You're and... taking Milwaukee's best strength and turning it into very potentially a weakness. Like, it was a weakness last year. Yeah, but then there's also the inverse of Milwaukee can say, oh, we're so damn good at protecting the rim, and you suck at going to the rim. We can sell out on your shooters. And while that might be anti their philosophy – at this point, they're a 16-win team, a phrase that I use all the time. Like, 82 games don't mean shit. They'll do whatever they want for 82 games, know they're going to get a top-four seed, and just try different ways to win. So I think they'll be better equipped to defend on the perimeter this year than they were last year, despite not really improving um, perimeter defensive personnel. They're the same team as they were last year, straight up. It's still yeah. Drew, Chris, and Giannis. It's still Brooke Lopez. It's still Grayson Allen and Bobby Portis. It's still Pat Connaughton and George Hill somehow. Mm-hmm. Wesley Matthews somehow still on the team. Javon Carter and Marjan Bochamp and Joe Ingles are the only relative differences. And those guys really probably won't play in the playoffs, especially Joe Ingles against a team like Boston where Jalen Brown's going to take him behind the shed. And... <laughs> Like, Joe Ingles has been nice this year. I've really, really been amazed with a 35-year-old coming off of a really bad injury who never had athleticism in his life. But, like, this is the same team that Boston played last year. Boston's added Brogdon since that series, and the Bucks have added Chris Middleton. Yeah. So, I just... that seems like advantage Bucks when it came down to one seventh game, right? Like, they should be closer. Yeah, but and they match I mean, up better with Boston's um, weaknesses and strengths than Philly did. 
that we just yeah. outlined a little bit. I think it's just like, even though Boston only got Brogdon from free agency, they still have a lot of internal improvement. Like their offense yeah. is much more free flowing than it was. Yeah, John Wazula, man. Like I'm saying, coach of the year candidate. Yeah, for sure. And what I would say is, like, in like Milwaukee has the ability to change their play style, but they've been so stubborn to do it. I'm not sure what would incline me to believe that this year will be different when they saw it was like destroying their chances by the end of the series last year, and they just didn't change anything. Change so, anything. Like their defensive uh, style. And like obviously. They've changed it this year. They've gone from allowing 29th, um, so like second most threes last year, to ninth. Like 41.8% of shots against them were threes last year. Eight down to 33.5%. Mm-hmm. And so I think that gives hope. They're yeah. really, really good at not allowing the corner three. It's gone down um, three percentage points, but like 50% total, you know, from like 10 to 7, like almost half of it down, 9 to 6. I, I'm really talking myself into Milwaukee being able to beat this team. But Jalen Brown has gotten better, and Tatum has gotten better too. And Smart's gotten better offensively. And like yeah, that's those, because Drew and Giannis are the same relative to the improvements that those three guys I just talked about have made. But I mean, Middleton's an All Star, dude. Like several times. I think one thing is, for whatever reason, Giannis seems to have uh, had to carry a bigger load this year, uh-huh. and it's really not working. Like. His numbers are way down. It seems like he has a lot more responsibility than he has in the past. Yeah. I'm not sure necessarily what the reasoning for that is. But if teams can, like, in the playoffs, continue to lower his shot quality from everywhere, basically, because I think that's what's happening. I don't Mm. know if it's because teams are adjusting the specific way or because he's just shooting worse shots. Yeah. But his shot quality this year is way down. And if he's not yeah. getting like high, like good look shots, Milwaukee's not doing anything because they're obviously built around him getting what he has at the what he can get at the rim. Yeah, and the rest of the team flowing around that. Yeah, I think he's really getting the wall of the past with Drew's relative poor health and Middleton's straight up bad health. Like only seven starts on the year for Middleton still and we're less than a week from february yeah and i think it'll get better i'm really not too worried about the bucks until march i think mm-hmm. that a team that doesn't need 82 games to know who they are they already know who they are and i think their continuity gives them a huge leg but also like it makes it harder to pick them right now if they had been yeah. as healthy as Boston all year, like this could be them in the one seed, and I wouldn't be surprised. But I don't oh. think Philly or Brooklyn or Cleveland with those things could be as dominant as Boston has been. 
Yeah, I'm definitely not worried about Milwaukee. And honestly, I think there's about nothing they could do that would make me, like, at this point in the season, that would change my mind on them. Yeah, there's such a Because it doesn't quantity. matter. Yeah, it's re- like we know what they can do. We know they can beat Boston. Mm-hmm. I would say they're probably not favored. And I, they're not my pick to come out of the East. But, like, realistically, there's not much they can show me between now and the playoffs, which will change my mind on anything, unless it's, like, yeah. health-related. Yeah, the only thing possible You just kind of have like, to wait and see. We find out that Chris Milton's knees and every single ligament in his body are suddenly made of titanium, and he's going to be perfectly healthy. And Drew's going to be chilling. Drew is literally the reigning player of the week. Yeah. Averaged like what thirty three five and seven or nine. Yeah, it was something I don't even know. But like I, they, I saw these player of the week. They just match up so well with Boston. Honestly, that I don't think Philly might be better than them. But in a series, I think Milwaukee's got a better chance against Boston. You yeah, I think they put more pressure on uh, the transition defense, which is important. But yeah, we can get to Brooklyn now. Okay. Um, so these teams are really close together. Philly thirty and sixteen, Milwaukee thirty and seventeen, Brooklyn twenty nine and seventeen. So three and a half, four, four and a half back of Boston. Um, you're our KD guy and our Brooklyn guy, so I'll let you pick where we start with them. Playoff series or team as a whole, relative. Yeah. To okay, so I guess we already discussed them a little in the beginning when I explained why they're probably my pick. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we really need to go over how they match up with Boston because we kind of did that already. Yeah. I think they look much different than they did last year. And it's a weird thing where In some all, of the flaws are still... All the improved yeah, ways, I think. Completely improved. There's still some little quirks that are questionable. Like... I'm still not comfortable at all playing Ben Simmons and Claxton together. Um, ben Simmons himself, like, has had some good aspects to his season, but I still think he needs to be consistently more, like, I guess just aggressive if he's yeah. going to really make that type of playoff impact necessary. Like, he just needs to be more fearless with the ball and, like, making plays. Yeah, I don't care if his field goal percentage goes down five, like a yeah. full five percent, if I can just get him to take four more shots per game. Yeah, because like, Kevin Durant cannot handle the ball that much this year. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that responsibility, like Ben Simmons should be the primary ball handler. Yeah, he should be the point guard, like he was, all-NBA point guard. But suddenly yeah. we like compared him to Draymond, and now we have to think about everything that way. Yeah, and you definitely should get back to that because that is their best chance of getting Katie and Kyrie the looks that they want regularly enough to like be at their best as a team. Yeah, Kyrie's a relatively off-ball guy too. Like you can call him point guard, but he's not Tyrese Halliburton or Chris Paul. Yeah, um, definitely not. But the Claxton and Ben Simmons thing is like poignant and scary the fact that your third and fourth best player have a really really hard time coexisting is i mean the total opposite of a playoff recipe for success because yeah. ben especially simmons, when they're both so important on defense yeah 
and their lack of supplementary ball handling is brutal. So you need Ben Simmons to almost be a sixth man. Like you need him to create because you've got two superstar creators and that's it. Even if he doesn't take shots, like go make him be Ricky Rubio or get stuff out of units without stars. Mm-hmm. And you should, should not be forced to stagnate your third best player, or not stagnate, um, stagger, stagger your third, stagger player. your third best player and your fourth best player exactly. Yeah, like to the point where they're going to share minimal minutes. I think concerns with that are a little overblown because they've got the shooters to surround them, like. You've got Simmons and Claxton, but who better for the other three people than Kyrie, KD, and Joe Harris? Or yeah, exactly. Royce O'Neal on a night where his shots are falling. And they've been falling all year. He's shooting a career high from three, 40.5, after shooting 39, 39, 38, 39 in the past four years. So it seems real. On a career high of attempts, conveniently enough. He's a good rebounder. He's got a career high in assists this year. We know what he can do man-to-man. He's been an underrated story, I think, Royce O'Neal has. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like you've got a few guys who can do that for you, and I think they're really, really primed to make a trade, like we were talking about on our pod yesterday. And that can get them even better. Like, I mean, if they have the assets that don't, like throw Fred Van Vliet in place of Seth Curry, like, Get Gary yeah. Trent Jr. in there. Get somebody in there. Um, I forget who else we were even talking about yesterday. Any two-way player, basically. Yeah, exactly. Anybody who can dribble the ball. Yeah. If you can dribble the ball, somewhat shoot and play defense, like, that's a great help to the Nets. But they don't have to make a move. Yeah. I think – I think they should because Seth Curry and Patty Mills are – yeah, I'm not going to be in the playoff rotation. And uh, Cam Thomas, Dayron Sharp aren't ready yet. TJ Warren, I guess we can well, see. Well, Seth Curry's definitely going to be in the playoff rotation. But, but he shouldn't be. Mm, that seems like a bit of an overreaction to me, but I get where you're coming from. Especially I mean, on a team that doesn't he's have an, like, he's an up, be, defensive strength. Yeah, he would be the worst player in their playoff rotation and can definitely be upgraded. Yeah, that's fair. I think um, TJ Warren is a TJ Warren like added best could be a really helpful piece for the Nets. Yeah. So like, how good is his defense at his best? And he's like that's a zero. He's a zero point nine assists guy too. Yeah, that's the other thing. How good is his defense at his best, and can you trust him to really play make at all? But just because. in terms of the guy that can actually dribble and shoot and has size, mm-hmm. that's important because they have like three of those. They have no and, such thing as a Kevin Durant backup. Yeah. They have three guys that can dribble, shoot, and have size. And it's like Joe Harris is one of them. I mean, Kevin Durant and TJ Warren. So that's kind of getting more guys like that, I would assume, is their like recipe to success if they were to improve the roster. Yeah, man. Imagine like Kuzma on this team. <sighs> so good anywhere. That's, wow. But yeah, 
I'm not going to hard to say on the Mets. And they've kind of got assets. They've had a few young guys who are interesting. Yeah, someone would take a swing on Cam Thomas for to give up a player. Like Eric Gordon. I would love Eric Gordon on this team. Yeah, like turning South Korea and Eric Gordon, that's perfect. That's a really, really good one, honestly. If they could somehow that's get like Eric a legit Gordon needle. and like a TJ McConnell or Ricky Rubio type, mm-hmm. I would love those two moves uh, together. Yeah, and would not be hard. I like both Yeah, of it's not too. too hard at all. Like TJ McConnell shouldn't be hard to get. Boyan and Doug McDermott don't move me enough. Relative to Boyan like, becomes like too big of an potential yeah. issue on defense. I think they would like would either coexist with Joe Harris, which is too problematic to have both, or they replace him, which isn't really upgrade. Yeah, exactly. I like I think Brooklyn that's good a on lot, the man. I, I like Brooklyn a lot. I, I would wouldn't be surprised. Like, I mean, Katie's the best player in the conference, right? Like, yeah, they will have a chance in any series, especially with playoff Kyrie's playoff Kyrie. And Ben Simmons becomes eighty percent of what he was, or even seventy percent, but not a liability at all. Yeah, if they get to a point where and you they're really well consistently coached. play Claxton and Simmons, mm-hmm. that becomes extremely interesting because then all of a sudden that's like I've got very faith in scary. that lineup: the Simmons, Kyrie, Joe Harris, Durant, Claxton lineup. I don't see that's why. definitely has potential to be their best. It just depends on the Claxton Simmons thing. I'm going, but to even Katie at the five has shown like promise. We'll I find guess. that five man lineup stats. You want to brief us on the Cleveland Cavaliers? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So the Cavs, I think everyone would assume they are on a slightly lower level than these other four. And that's fair. I would probably agree. But Cleveland is definitely, definitely not, like, far below. This is a team that, in my opinion, without a doubt, does have a legitimate shot at, like, going to the conference finals or the finals. I think they have maybe the best top four in the NBA. Um, I mean, I don't really need to give an overview of what yeah. we kind of know that. I don't think they match up bad versus any of these teams. Yeah. I think they have the bigs necessary to bully Boston back, like how you said um, mm-hmm. uh, Philadelphia would do. I think they have, like, just kind of the length necessary to deal with Kevin Durant. And no one... No matter how good your team is, you don't have personnel to really deal with Garland and Donovan Mitchell on the other end. Like, it doesn't exist. And I mean, Derek White and Marcus Smart. That's as good as it gets, probably, but you're still... It's not like you're going to do anything close to neutralize them. I think they're just those type of players. I think in their first playoff run will be a little bit different than the rest of their Cleveland tenure. I think Boston would swallow them alive. But you're right about every single other thing. Like, we've had the Mavericks and the Hawks in the past two conference finals, is, and this Cleveland team is objectively and, better. like, blatantly just better. like better than either of those teams. Yeah. And For so sure. their run wouldn't be a surprise. Like, 
with the Hawks and with the Mavs, like, oh, wow, they arrived. Like, who could have seen this coming this early? Whereas Cleveland, it wouldn't be that. They're that good. Mm-hmm. And, and especially – right, go ahead. That was it. I think one of the big things is just how much versatility they have in what they want to do specifically on offense. Yeah. Having I no think... small forward kind of helps them in a way. Yeah, I mean, like they, can, they can do that. Not actually, but they can throw the Karis Levert, Dean Wade, Isaac Okoro, or Lamar Stevens looks at you, or two mm-hmm. of those guys and just Allen or just Mobley at the five. Kevin Love yeah. in that mix as well. Like That's that's actually where I was going. I think yeah. Kevin Love is a huge, like legitimate – cornerstone of their offensive capability in the playoffs because I don't know if Kevin Love's going to be playable in the playoffs. I'm on the I don't think defense has, I think it's like fine if it's paired with um, one of the other bigs. Uh, and I think what he brings on offense is so valuable in terms of a big man with ball skills, mm-hmm. which I mean, it, like everyone should know how I feel about that at this point. Especially when you have two guards as dynamic as the ones that they have. Someone who can do it all. He can screen. He goes for offensive rebounds. He can pass. He can shoot. Just open so many, like, ways to attack an opposing defense. They can, they can create shots in any way, which is what you need when you're going against defenses with the length that the ones in the East have. Yeah, do you think they'll be able to score enough, though? I, they've got the two dynamite offensive players, but... It'll definitely get tough at times. Like, I don't think Karis LeVert's a legit or even 60% of a legit option for playoff. Yeah, he's definitely a very niche option. And I think a really interesting playoff question they can't is... alleviate that with by committee because it's not like their next best offensive player freaking... Yeah. 20 minutes of Kevin Love or Jared Allen. Exactly. It falls off much, heavily yeah, after the guards. Yeah. I think one interesting question that I haven't heard asked from them or of them, which could really change the math on how they are in the playoffs, is do we think teams can scheme around the Twin Towers in the playoffs on offense? Like, could that become an issue? I think it's very possible that that becomes a bit um, of the on which thing. offense? Cleveland with Mobley and um, so Allen. scheme around stopping them or scheme around being able yeah. to score on them. No scheme around stopping them. Like I think they'll be the pretty. The fact stoppable. that they're fairly yeah, I think they'd be pretty stoppable too. The fact that they're like decently limited in what they want. Mobley's offensive game has a lot of potential to have many layers, but he's a sophomore right now. Like that's ridiculous to expect that from him wholeheartedly now. Yeah. Definitely. I think that's definitely exploitable. Agreed. And I think Boston has, like I said, every tool to whoop this Cleveland team in every way. I would be more surprised if the series went seven games than if they got swept. And maybe if it won six games versus them getting swept. Like, I do think at the same time, though, like we said, it's not an overreaction or recency bias to say that they're better than the 22 Mavs or the 21 Hawks. And so 
I do think that this team does belong in the conversation yeah. with the other three teams. Like there is four field teams alongside Boston. It's not just the Sixers, Bucks, and Nets. I think the Cavs sure. belong here because that's a matchup thing versus an ability thing. The Cavs could yeah. very well be in the conference finals. They don't have to play Boston. Say Milwaukee falls to the five and they catch Boston and take them out in the second round. Like Cleveland versus Milwaukee in the conference finals, totally different. Or I would do a lot to watch Cleveland versus Milwaukee or Philadelphia in the playoffs. Those would be amazing series. Yeah. I want Cleveland to give one of these vet teams a run for their money. As opposed yeah. to just seeing the final four of Brooklyn Bucks, Sixers, Celtics, and a bunch of shit we've seen before. I want one, one of them to I want one them. of those teams, yeah, to like fall to the five or the six so that they get bounced in the first round. And then there's an open spot that Cleveland takes for the East's final four. Yeah. Because they can be one of yeah, those. Yeah, that makes complete sense. They, they can be the cupcake can. team, like a 6-7-8 Miami or New York or Atlanta. They can be one of those teams, make the final four, and then those two teams cannibalize each other, the four old ones. Yeah. It's actually like a pretty play. likely chance that they are a top four seed. The thing is, if they're fourth, then they're playing one of those other teams as the fifth seed. Yeah. They so get up to three, which is yeah. They need hard. to get up to three to make that like to guarantee a second round spot. Yeah, all four of these teams are within two and a half games with mm-hmm. thirty three to play or more, something yeah. like that. Thirty three to thirty six. Okay, um, we said we'd come at the end and say if we changed our mind on who our top team is. I'm going to say I feel like you're starting to lean towards Milwaukee. Yeah, I think Philly's the best team, but... Something feels a little off, maybe. I don't know, because Milwaukee still has the questions about health and stuff like that, and I think their depth kind of sucks. I'm going to stick with the Sixers, but Milwaukee has the best chance against Boston, and in a way that makes you the favorites. I'm going to stick with Philly, though. Yeah. Uh, I won't change my mind just because I still think it's possible for any of these teams. But I'd lean for something improbable. Generally, I think it's a good idea to go with the best player. Yeah. And like, that's Kevin Durant. Like we agreed, yeah. Best player in the conference. Yeah. Okay, okay. how are we doing on time? What was it, 8.30? Um, like 9-something. I think we're like 35-ish minutes in. Which is like actually exactly where we wanted to be, right? You said thirty-five. I think so. I thought we started at like nine thirty. Um, yeah, it's ten oh five. No, I mean. Oh, oh, you mean in the thing? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's like. Oh yeah, yeah. Well. Do you want to call it here? Give us our first mm-hmm. short pod ever. Okay. Yeah, you can call it. All right. We appreciate y'all for listening um, and that little behind the scenes <laughs> debacle right there. We're going to call it a pod. This has probably been our shortest pod to date, and you know that's a good thing. We'll be back soon. I'm telling Kia that we need to upload every single day because why not? Y'all are just ravenous. I get Yeah, 
ten texts text a day from everybody I know and most of the people I don't know that just are insatiable for the rock is hot content. So yeah, I mean that's two back to back. One yesterday, one today. Yeah, I want to get another one out this week. Um, I'm not going to over ambitionize myself because once you hear, it's going to be disappointment if it doesn't happen. But we're back. Thank you all for listening. My name is at Blue Ray Hush. Fuck DVDs. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think you guys know where to find us. You probably found us through our Twitter. So. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to listen to this without finding us, if we're being honest. <laughs> so, yeah. All That's right. That's an episode. That Peace. was an episode. Thank you all.